I actually, heading into the fall, I wanted to start a new series, but I wanted to share my heart about some, some stuff about what we're going to go through and why. And in this next season with the teaching, but also with halftimes, there's going to be an intentional focus to it. Um, not that there hasn't been an intentional focus before, but this is an intentional focus, not just for a Sunday morning, but for the group and for you guys and where you're at in life. So here's what I want you to do. If you're at Acts chapter 1, I want you to just sit there. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to close your eyes. I want to ask you a question. What does the Holy Spirit look like in the friendships and the relationships of the people around you? I want to repeat that. What does the Holy Spirit look like in your friendships and in your relationships to the other people around you? You guys can open your eyes. When I ask that question, I'm not saying just necessarily how do you feel about you and God here? Because when it says that the Holy Spirit's at work in us, that's, that's very, very true and that's very, very good. But I want to ask you something. I want you to think about the people around you. Maybe they're in this room. They probably are in this room. And they're definitely called to be in this room. But I want you to think for one second about this. How many of you thought about how your friend is doing in the Lord this morning? How many of you were thinking about, man, I wonder how their heart is doing this morning. I wonder how they're doing with God. Are they struggling? Are they hurting? Are they doing well? What are they learning? Maybe God is on fire in their life. What's going on in their life? See the difference in that question? Because I'm not saying that it's bad to think about yourself because God calls us to take care of ourselves, but not only take care of ourselves. Because there's a calling with the Holy Spirit to be working in between us and the friendships that we have as well. When you think about your friends, you think about even your leaders around you in this room. That by the way that you relate to one another, that should be so radical by the way that you relate to one another. That the world would look at your friendship and go, man, that's different. That is different from the rest of the world. The rest of the world takes, they try to get the one up on one another. They care about superficial things, but that friendship goes so far beyond anything I've ever known. They love each other, and they, they really love one another. And that happens through the power of the Holy Spirit. And in this next season, I want us to take a look at this for a minute, because sometimes with church, and when I say sometimes, I mean more often than not, church can be very individually minded. When you walk into church, do you say, what does God have for me? Or do you say, what does God have for us? When you look at God working in your life, do you look at him working in just you? Or do you look at him working in the people around you too? Could it be possible that the work that God wants to do is in all of the people around you? See, when God says things like, you are God's temple, he's not talking about you individually. He's talking about all of us. We are God's temple. And when he uses words like you, it can be translated into you all. You all. Y'all. You know, y'all are God's temple. But you all, you all are a royal priesthood. You are all saints. And that was why so often in the Bible, when you read through letters like ones that Paul wrote, even the Gospels, when you read about things that Jesus said, you think it's, you think it's a coincidence that Jesus didn't single out one of them but instead he would talk to 12 of them. Do you think that he did that on purpose or that was by accident? 
It was done on purpose because God understands that we're a people that were made to be together. That's how we were made since the beginning. And in Acts, um, we're going to just spend time looking at this story. It's written by Luke, the one who wrote the book of Luke. And he, the book of Luke and the book of Acts are these two, two letters that he wrote specifically to a Roman officer named Theophilus. And he wrote it to tell him about Christ and to tell him about everything. And because of God's goodness, he used that one letter for that one person to spread it to many nations over many generations for us to learn about God. Now, the thing that I want us to look at this, the eyes that I want you to see as we go through this, I want you to look at this. This is not a book about an individual. This is a book about a family This is a ragtag team of people after Jesus resurrects and ascends to heaven. This is a a book about a team of people who started 120 in all, and through the power of the Holy Spirit is the very gospel that we're gathering here today. It's the same. Why we gather here is because of these people and because of what the Holy Spirit did through these people. This is the birth of the church. And so I wanted to give that context Before we got into the word, if you're there, we're going to start chapter 1, verse 1, as simple as it gets. And this is what it says. This is what Luke writes. He says, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, referring to the cross and the resurrection, he presented himself to them And he gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. And on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. We are going to stop there. Can we say amen to God's word? We're going to look at these, um, this one encounter with Jesus and his disciples. We're going to look at this first part this week and the next part next week. But there's something that I want us to look at um, in light of it. Because most of the time when we talk about Jesus, we talk about him in light of his earthly ministry. When he came to earth, you know, Christmas, Easter, it's, a lot of it is surrounded by his earthly ministry and rightfully so. But there's another important aspect of Jesus for us to know about, and that's after his resurrection. When Jesus rose from the dead and he appeared and he was given a new body. And it's, it's, the word says that it's a picture of what it'll be like for us when we're resurrected in the same way when Jesus comes back. And there's encounters. Jesus appeared to people after his resurrection. He didn't just sneak off to heaven. But instead, he, just as the word says here, it says that he appeared to them, referring to his, his 12 disciples. He says that he appeared to them over a period of 40 days. And I love the word that it uses. It says that he presented himself. Has anyone in here ever given a presentation in school? I feel bad for you. I'm not a big presentation guy for the most part. I can remember one of the most difficult things about presentations, if you're scared of giving a speech in front of people, um, if you have to give it for a foreign language, That's also very difficult. Um, I always found it very difficult for Spanish class. And people would go, well, you're Mexican, so why is it a problem for you? And I'm like, no. But presentations, presentations in themselves 
are this point where it is a, it's a point to present information clearly. You are called to be intentional to show something to the people around you. And you're standing up. You're taking center stage to show something intentionally. Nobody gives presentations by accident. I mean, not on purpose, at least. But the thing about presenting yourself is that's what Jesus did. You see, people didn't learn about Jesus by accident. We don't learn about Jesus by accident. Jesus, during that 40-day period, and I love that it doesn't say he gave one convincing proof. It says he gave many convincing proofs. So many that they didn't even list them. That there is this consistent presenting of himself before us. This is the resurrection. This is what the word said about me. You know that whole Old Testament? This is what it all says about me. And this is what it all means for you moving forward. Jesus spent 40 days with them personally just teaching them. And that's, that's significant because for Jesus to take 40 days to do that, I can't remember what I did 40 days ago. 40 days is a long time for us in our world because most of us like to try and fit major things into a week span. But Jesus took a prolonged amount of time to reveal himself and to teach about himself. Here we don't see Jesus addressing one person over another. Jesus didn't take, all right, Peter, come over here. No, he did it to the mom. He did it to everyone. And this was the posture of God's people sitting at the feet of Jesus and learning from him. And if you, if you call yourself a part of God's family, or you want to be a part of God's family, then just know that we're to be God's family. It's to be a people that learn together. We're a people that are constantly and daily learning from God. There's never a point where we stop learning There's never a point where we walk in and say, I've done it. I've completed it. I don't need to know anything else. But we're constantly a people coming before Jesus, learning more and more about him. And it brings us to deeper, deeper places of his love. Amen. You know, one of the things that when I went off to college at Portland State and they had this orientation day and they like give you all your classes and tell you what textbooks to buy and everything. And then they make you take this how to be successful thing. They make they made every student go through this. But it's funny because, you know, when you're done with high school and you're walking into college, you're like, I don't want to fail any classes. I don't want to fail out. What's it going to be like? The first piece of advice that they gave us, and they said, guys, this is going to sound really stupid. It's like, show up to class. And I was like, that's it? That's easy. It wasn't easy. But show up to class. If you get yourself into class and you make time to learn, you will get the information that you need. You'll be able to do the work that you're going to be able to do to be successful. And one of the reasons why I bring that up is simply because of this. So much of the battle is showing up and making space for that to happen. And when it comes to learning before Christ, when, when we say we're a people that learn from Christ, well, how do you do that? It's simply by this. It's simply by showing up. It's simply by making space for God to teach you. Because if, there's, if you're not coming to class, you can't blame the professor for being a bad teacher. Amen? You can't because you're not giving him an opportunity. But let me ask you this. How many, how many times in my own heart or in our hearts have we blamed God for being bad when we didn't show up to him? See, we're a people that learn together. We're a people that make space for that, whether that's through prayer, whether that's through our daily time with him, 
it happens both individually on our own, but it also happens together. And it's powerful when we're together because the word says that when we gather, we gather with one heart together. And when the more gather, you can see the Holy Spirit working amidst everyone, you know? And another thing about that, too, it's not just making necessarily space. I could just, if I could speak to you guys just practically, just speaking right now, um, it's not just necessarily saying, all right, I just need to go to church. All right, I just need to open my Bible. Or I just need to pray once or twice a day. But it's, it's the heart behind it that's the most important thing. It's about engaging. When I get in the Word every morning, I can't have my phone. I can't have my phone on me. I can't have my laptop on me because I'm going to be distracted. Did you know that if you don't take notes during a sermon, studies show that you only remember 5% of it? Which is why practically I would just recommend you guys, I wouldn't bring phones or iPads to service. I wouldn't bring those things to the times when you want to pray before the Lord. That's just my recommendation for you. Because it's going to make it that much harder to see the Lord work. And I can't tell you how many times I've seen students. And then a week later they're in my office or hanging out. And they're like, I'm just not hearing God's voice and I don't know why. And I'm like... I have no idea why that's happening. But from a practically speaking point, we're not only people that show up before the Lord, but we're people that listen to the Lord in that. In fact, I would go as far as to say, if God's your teacher, raise your hand if you want to call God your teacher, or you have called him, then this is what it means. It means you're his student. It means that you're God's student. If he's truly your teacher, that means... You are his student, you're his disciple, you're his follower. I want you to think about those words for a minute. You're a follower of Christ. You're a student before him. He's the one who leads you in everything that you do. And when we say the word student, I, I hope you know it's, it's a little different from the way that maybe you understand it in school because this isn't a classroom, <laughs> what we're doing right now. Um, and this is why. Because when you think of school, you think about I need to show up and I need to complete my classes and then I can go have fun. That's not what church is. That's a myth about church. It's not you just go and complete it and then go do your own thing and it's recess after service. That's not what church is meant for. It's not a place where I'm looking out and I'm grading you. I'm not the teacher of the class. Nor is it I'm giving you information so you can give me the right answer. You see, what God does, what leaders do in your lives is they give the thing that's absolutely best for you. They'll tell you what you want to hear, and they'll tell you the things you need to hear, even if it's not fun. See, we're here for you, and when God gives us things and he speaks truth into our lives, he's not grading you. You're all A-pluses because of Christ. Amen? Can we say amen to that? We passed. But the reason that God gives us what he has this is for our own good. And so oftentimes, God's like, how are you doing? And then we're like, we treat him like, great, I'm, I'm passing this. I'm passing this in my life. I'm doing good, God. And God's like, just, just take it for your own life. It's living water. You don't have to impress me. You're hurting yourself by doing that. Often we can treat God like school when it's not. And this is one of the biggest ways that it's different. And this is kind of the heart of this morning. Because you can learn all you want about God. You can have all the head knowledge you want about God. But you can't move without the Holy Spirit. 
One thing about this passage, on one occasion he was eating with them, and he gave them this command. He says, don't leave Jerusalem. They were in Jerusalem when Jesus appeared to them. And he says, don't leave. Don't move. Don't expand this church. Don't go work on my behalf until you've received the gift, which is the Holy Spirit my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. See, God would say, we can sit here and we can talk for 40 days. I can give you all the head knowledge that you want, but knowledge can lead to truth. Knowledge can lead to love. Knowledge by itself isn't necessarily anything. If you're really smart and you know the Bible, that's good. That gives you an opportunity to go deeper in Christ. But knowledge by itself doesn't necessarily mean you're mature or deep in Christ. Amen? Because here's the thing. Oftentimes we've heard it said that church Sunday mornings could be compared to a gathering like this. Where we're sitting and we're gathering and we're talking about the many convincing proofs of who Christ is and what he is. But going out and being the church like it records and acts is our everyday life. Some people never leave this meeting in their lives. And then we could talk to all the leaders in the room. We see a lot of people who are never able to move beyond here. Because they're not moving in the power of the Spirit. They're moving on their own strength. But God has given us His Holy Spirit to be able to move forward. And to be the people that we're called to be. You can't be like Christ without His Spirit. The Holy Spirit is absolutely vital in our lives. Personally, um... As someone who's been in Bible college, it blows my mind that there are people that believe in Jesus but don't believe in the Holy Spirit. Or they believe in Jesus but they don't believe that there's any power with the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is God. Holy Spirit was someone declared by Jesus as to be, it's better that I go up to heaven because then the Holy Spirit will go to you. Personally, anyone that Jesus says that it's better for us to be with than him probably is pretty important. Amen? probably vital to who we are. And that's what we have right now. We have a Holy Spirit on tap for us to be able to live in the fullness of the Spirit, to be who He's called us to be. You see, the Holy Spirit just, it's, it's God, and it's not an it, but it's a He in Scripture. It's not just this like power that's just moving, but the Holy Spirit is God and is referred to as a he and a him. It's, it's a person. It's part of the Trinity. And even then, I would go as far as to say, you know when the Holy Spirit was first mentioned in Scripture? It was in the third verse of the Bible when it says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And then it says, now the Spirit of God was hovering over the earth. The Holy Spirit was there and at work at the very beginning. Didn't it just come in at the last second? <laughs> Right? The Holy Spirit has been there, but through Christ, we're able to live through the Spirit, all of us together, and has revealed this good news, this gospel to us. You often see times throughout the Holy Earth, see throughout the Old Testament with people like David, who we studied, and it says that the Spirit of the Lord was upon him. You even see prophets working through the Spirit of the Lord. And in fact, one of the most famous passages in referring to the time after Christ in Joel 2.28, and it says this. This is a prophecy about today, our world right now, made hundreds of years ago. It says, and afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams, and your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. 
See, God has had this plan at work, and it's even been affirmed by Scripture. Prophecy has been made, and it's been fulfilled in Scripture of what is in store for us today, and that's His Holy Spirit. But to sit here and to talk about Christ and to learn about Christ without moving forth in the Spirit, you'll never be able to leave. You know what that's like? That's like a, that's like a basketball team in a locker room talking about their game plan, figuring out their game plan, absolutely perfect, but they never leave the locker room. They never leave the locker room. So they're absolutely perfect at knowing what to do, but that doesn't necessarily mean they go out and do it. But here's the beauty and here's the good news. When the Holy Spirit is in our lives, we are able to move out and to get in the game. To live out the life that God has for us. And the Holy Spirit empowers you to follow Jesus and love one another as family. I'm going to invite the worship team back up. You know, for me personally, my story, I came to know Jesus when I was in fourth grade. All right, I, I felt his love, and I felt the power of who he was. I knew he for, forgave me, forgave me, <laughs> forgived. But you know what? It was until I got into college that I truly learned about the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit. So much of my walk growing up was coping with my sin and coping with my world around me. And that's not to say that I didn't have the Holy Spirit, but I think it was more like a tiny little candle in the corner of a dark room rather than this burning flame that was just rich and full of life and power inside of me. And when that happened, I honestly, that changed my life. It changed my whole life. And maybe this morning you're here and you're, you're in a place where you're like, I, I know God and I know about the Holy Spirit, but it's just kind of a flickering flame and I want to know the Spirit and I'm going to ask, actually, if leaders could get up and kind of just spread around the room right now. We're going to have a response this morning for you guys. And I would just say be bold in this response. But as, as they're just moving right now, there's, there's some, some certain instructions that I just want to give to you right now. Jesus would go as far as to say, don't leave. Don't, don't even move beyond Jerusalem. Don't even try to be Christ-like without the Holy Spirit. And that's a word that speaks of the importance of the Spirit. And that's probably one of the most important words. And I would just say this morning, if God would say, don't even move forward unless you want to walk in the power of the Spirit. Um, that's a word for us that we get an opportunity to move in the Spirit. And so in a minute, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open it up you to be able to go to leaders go ahead um, don't be shy guys um, for prayer and there's going to be specific prayers just for you guys one if you've never maybe you know jesus but you've never heard of the holy spirit and you want to be filled with the spirit because you just heard about it's the spirit that makes the church who they are and it's the spirit that transforms us and transforms our relationship with one another because you can't be like Christ without His Spirit. And if that's you, I want you to go to a leader and ask them, say, I want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I want, to, I want to be filled with the Spirit. Maybe you know the Holy Spirit, but it's just been that little flicker in your life and you've been kind of just coping with your life rather than living in the fullness of the Spirit and understanding that God has things for me in my life, but it's not going to happen on your own strength. Maybe you've been yearning for purpose in your life or a reason to live 
to truly live and be at peace, but you've been trying to do it on your own strength, and you've been finding that you've been failing, and you need to rely on the Spirit. You need to ask to be filled with the Spirit. Maybe your story is like mine, where you spent so much of your time in junior high and high school just coping and trying to figure out yourself, and really you needed to come to the Spirit. The Spirit is called living water, and even the Spirit would say, come home to our thirsty in Revelation. Maybe this morning, the Spirit is not only one that helps us move forward, but the Spirit ministers to us. Did you know that God's Spirit gives us comfort? In fact, it says that God's Spirit prays for us to the Father when we're in need. Did you know that God's Spirit heals us miraculously, both physically and both emotionally in our hearts? Maybe you're hurting this morning. Maybe something's happened. Maybe you're in a difficult situation in your life. Maybe you have a physical ailment in your life that you need healing from. And if that's you this morning, this is where you get to go to a leader and say, I I need prayer. And you pray that the Holy Spirit would move and heal this part of me. Does that sound good to you guys? Can you nod your heads with me? So go ahead and stand up and go ahead and find a leader around the room. They're all over and all around. We're just going to make time for that. What I would just say is after prayer to just return to your seat and just quietly just be respectful of those who are still being ministered to as well.